So, um, fun stories in cat life. Capone is not as smart as Gus. <laughs> I told you he's my spirit animal. <laughs> I have a box. <laughs> so one side, you know, is open on the bottom where like the flaps don't really meet. There's a hole. Mm-hmm. So I'll tip it over and put toys down it. And Capone will like stick his arm down in there, dig around, pull it out, accidentally knock it back in, stick it down, his arm down in there, pull it out. He's like entertained for a solid 15 minutes. So I did this with Gus. I took a couple of his favorite treats and put it down the hole. He looks at it. He jumps on the box. He paws. He jumps off the box. Then he knocks over the box. <laughs> Fair. And Capone's like, how did you do that? You are magic, sir. Mm-hmm. Like, oh boy. I'm telling you, Capone's my spirit animal. Hello and welcome. We are the ladies of Strange. I'm confused. <laughs> and I'm obnoxious. <laughs> and I don't know how to sexy. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for some reason each week as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. That's my favorite intro. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. We might I just keep it. that. I liked it. <laughs> Why should. not? So hi, guys. Last week, we just totally threw it off and oh, took we did. over each other's parts. So why not switch it up? We really did. I mean, you got to switch it up every once in a while, right? Absolutely. Spice it up. Keep people on their toes. This is how you sexy, Rebecca. This is. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to switch it up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So how are you? I'd ask how y'all are doing, but considering how much food you consumed <laughs> with me, <laughs> considering We're the all- remnants of food and alcohol that are on our recording desk so right now, whatever mental state involves milkshakes, pizza, French fries, and cheesy bread, that's where we're at. And wine. And wine. And well, there's always And wine. soda. And yeah, that mm-hmm, that's always here. And muddy daddies, buddies, muddy. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Just like that. <laughs> that. <laughs> That's One how she's long doing. Stroke, <laughs> <laughs> and not the good kind. I like how Rebecca like looked over at me like, is that, is that, is that okay? <laughs> no, she. Mm, mm-hmm. I swear we can't get through anything. She's like, are you taking this inappropriate? Or are you gonna cry because it hits too close to home? What's happening here? It's it's Russian roulette at this point. Either she's gonna be making her it's inappropriate, and I'm laughing at it laugh, or she's gonna start crying. True. True. And then I'm going to be making my. So, uh, hmm. <laughs> my favorite noises are Rebecca not knowing what to do with sure herself. Sure. That's most of my noises. Like I don't know how to handle y'all, and yet I still talk to you. you I choose to. Yeah, that Stockholm syndrome's rough, man. Me and Tiffany are, I mean, we do not want you to disappear, but we're totally used to it at this point. People just like fading out of our lives. So it's if true. it happens. Do I have a choice? Tiffany works adjacent to me. If I don't immediately show up and say good morning, like George the ghost, like she I, I do messages are me very passive aggressive messages going, where are you? Uh, Why my, haven't you come say my hi? last one was needy friend is needy. Yes. Whereas <laughs> the morning I texted, I'm like, it's 830 and you're not here. I got radio silence. Now, see what would happen if you decided not to talk to us and you just didn't want to do the podcast or whatever. Tiffany and I would still tell our husbands we were doing the podcast and just come sit in this room and drink wine and cry every Tuesday. Because mm-hmm. Lord knows we couldn't do this without you. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's true. We'd sit at the microphones like we were recording, but nothing would be happening. Oh, God, no. We would just sit here and cry. And when you guys weren't making inappropriate jokes, this table full of food. Oh, I was like, I'm not going to eat the table. No. My table eating days are gone. Until you get pregnant again. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Then I might eat walls. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So are you guys ready for a story? Yay. No. Okay. Well, fine. Ashley, are you ready for a story? I'm mixing things up. Keeping it sexy. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) Really? Keeping it sexy sexy? is by saying No. no. Consent is sexy. Okay. (laughs) Rebecca doesn't know what to do with herself. Tell us a story. So, you guys remember the Muter Museum that I mentioned a couple episodes ago? Yes. Mm -hmm. Guess what we're learning about today? (gasps) Yes. The Muter Museum. Oh, also pronounced the Mutter Museum, and I'll explain why. Why? Why? (laughs) So, Thomas Dent Mutter was born on March 9th, eighteen eleven, in Richmond, Virginia. Rebecca has a thing for old guys, like Tesla. Yeah. At age eight, <laughs> he was orphaned and raised by a distant relative. He attended Hampton Sydney College in Virginia and eventually earned his MD from Penn. And I'm assuming this meant Penn State. Yeah. That's nice. the only Penn I know. Yeah, same. And Teller. He graduated in 1831. <laughs> I can't with y'all. Okay, after that, he went to Europe and studied under master surgeons. Sorry, what did he graduate from Penn with? His MD. Missed that part. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so he went to Europe, studied under master surgeons, and returned to Philadelphia. It is at this point that he changed his name from Mutter to Muter. All that means is he put those two little dots above the U. So he had a smiley face. Which is, a, yeah. Blah, blah. <laughs> it was, mm, it's a, it's a umlaut. So it went from Mutter to Muter. It's a what? The whole reason he did this was to sound fancier while he was in Europe. He put a smiley face in his name. Muter. Muter? Yeah. It does. Y'all are. Okay. I'm sorry. It does sound fancier. Good job. Muter. Mutter and muter. Anyway. So, fun fact about him, he was ambidextrous, which helped him be a very skilled surgeon, and he was also known to be charming and easy to talk to, and had great bedside manner. Same. Not what I was thinking when you said bed. (laughs) You guys are children. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. He was the professor of surgery from 1841 to 1856, and had a forte in reconstructive surgery. Wait. A four-day? Forte. Oh, Okay, I thought you said he did like a four-day reconstructive 1841? Yeah, he was only 30. I'm 30, and I am not a professor of anything. What am I doing with my Look life? you guys with dates. I <laughs> did not pick up on that at all. <laughs> I was like, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Where's Tiffany's over here doing math in her head? I love math. I do! <laughs> <laughs> the look you just gave me is awful. I love math. She didn't say she was good at it. No, I am good at math. She really are. I was really good at math and history. Everything else, I just kind of like, eh. It was decent at. I'm, look, I Nothing can, about you makes sense. I can be smart. I just choose not to be, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Takes too much effort. Anyway. Anyway, he was 30 years old and was really good at reconstructive surgery. Good for him. 
Don't be bitter, Betty, over there. Because of this, he was specifically interested in plastic surgeries, especially surgeries that other surgeons didn't see the point in performing. Plastic surgery in the 1800s? Yeah. That seems like a much more recent thing. Well, I'd imagine this is like plastic surgery for like reconstruction. Exactly. See, and this was a big deal because surgeons at the time, if someone was deformed, for example, if a woman was working in the kitchen and she got burned... That obviously affected her, for lack of a better word, well. And a lot of doctors were just like, tough luck. That's your... The way the cookie crumbles. That's your lot in life. You kind of just have to deal with it. Like, this was still at a time where a monster was a medical term. Whereas Dr. Muter was like, no, no, no. Not in my house. I'm helping these people. Good. Rebecca, don't break my heart. (laughs) If I get attached to this doctor and he turns out to be a bad guy, I'm going to be mad. Well... Okay. Make your bed and get ready to lie in it. Anyway. Um, He became a pioneer of a bunch of different types of techniques to help with plastic surgery, one of which was lap surgery. What is that? That is where, so especially during syphilis where, you know, you can like lose parts of your nose. It's where you take a piece of skin from your arm, graft it to your nose, but leave it attached to the arm while it heals to your nose. So it still has the blood supply. Oh. So you basically have to walk around with your arm attached to your nose for a month or two. Oh. And the skin gets cut off and your nose has been reconstructed. Oh, that's innovative. Mm-hmm. Because how else would they get the blood supply there? I'm going to say no. Thank you. 18, what, 40s, 50s? No, thank you to you don't. Walking be- around like this. Well, it's either that or don't have a nose. <laughs> Do the elephant all the time. I mean, you would still have a nose. It just, you'd, that part would eventually heal over, right? No, not necessarily. If I take my nose ring out, it'd be deformed. It wouldn't necessarily come back. Do they come back? I don't think they come back. Well, no, but I mean, it would scar, but wouldn't it eventually like heal over? And then you would just have like a divot. This is not a question I anticipated Google having. Google syphilis nose. <laughs> <laughs> no. Carry on. Pay no mind to my Google search. Fun random fact. He was a strong advocate of the aseptic technique, which basically meant he liked to wash his hands. Look, okay, I'm falling for this man. Like, thank you. I don't understand why it took so long to figure out. When was germ theory? Around this time. Okay. All right. Hey, you can can put my arm on my face. Come on, smiley face. I don't remember exactly when it became a theory. You can put my arm on my face. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. Don't Google syphilis nose. Hey, look. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. I did not realize that was an arm. That's for ex- a second. That's ex- excellent audio format as we Google syphilis nose. I'm sorry. Tiffany told me to. Since when did we listen to Tiffany? I've listened I was- to her for a long time. Anyway. Anyway. This interest in all things medical and helping people spurred him to start collecting unusual specimens, specifically with the intent to use them to teach people. Yay. Go, Smiley. It's your birthday. Smiley. <laughs> and also because I organized my notes on my phone, he was one of the first surgeons to use ethyl ether anesthesia in Philadelphia. Hey. All right. So he was one of the first people to actually knock his patients out before he... Mm-hmm. Good for him. Mm-hmm. I like this guy a whole lot. Is he getting the Glen Coco Award yet? You know what? I feel like it's too early to bring it out. Okay. But it's coming. Okay. I, my bet is made. So he had this collection... But what was he going to do with it? He created a museum. So he teamed up with the Philadelphia College of Physicians 
who helped Dr. Muter house his collection. And at this point, Dr. Muter had over 1,700 specimens. Holy free holace. And I'll get into what those specimens were later. But that's a lot of specimens. That is. Like, even if it's buttons, that's a lot of buttons. What year is this? Yes. Like 1840s or 50s? Sure. Okay. Dr. Muter's only requirements were that they had to have a fireproof building, a curator, hold regular lectures, and add to the museum over time. Unfortunately, Dr. Muter died fairly young being sick and in pain from gout and tuberculosis throughout his lifetime, encouraging him to create his collection to share knowledge and help people more. So because he was sick, he wanted to provide a way to not only give other doctors a way to study these ailments, but to ultimately help people. This is a good doctor. You Gogolin Coco. Yes. This is when we get to talk about the museum. I'm so excited. So would you guys like to take a quick drink break before we dive into it? Yes. Let's like to make something up for us. Absolutely. This is Kim, your friendly neighborhood ER nurse. I'm the host of People Are Wild, the only podcast that claims to bring medical entertainment, medutainment, on a weekly basis. I can be found on your favorite podcast listening app, iTunes, and Google Play. And you could talk to me on Twitter at People Are Wild. And we're back. I really like this guy. And he's dead now, so he can't break my heart. <laughs> and he's dead now, so he can't break my heart. That's been... Unless he comes back and he's really bad at ghost sex. Ugh, Why? <laughs> Tis Tiffany's into ghost sex. I don't know. I'm not into ghost sex. I've I've made it very clear. My husband is not. He doesn't care what spectral plane it is. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Rebecca's giving us the look. Let's learn about the Muter Museum. So, obviously, it is now known for its medical oddities and anatomical specimens. Yay. It has rotating exhibits of photographic art and illustrations that only have about 13% of the available 20,000 specimens on display at any one time. Oh, This is not including the extensive medical library. Oh. So is the library on display at all times? No. It's saying outside of the 20,000 specimens, there's also a huge medical library. And so they don't have more than 13% out at any point in time. Do yep. they rotate it r- Pretty frequently? I think it depends because there's a couple of the displays that I'm going to go through that are some of the more popular ones that I'm assuming are out more often, if not all the time as permanent okay. installations. All right. I'm assuming it's some of the smaller ones that get rotated out or stuff that they just have because there's some weird stuff that they just have. Excellent. This is the place that you mentioned when we were talking about tattoos, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Ashley's giving me the look. Well, I'm going to um, take your tattoos and have them framed on my wall. Ah, yes, yes, yes. yes. So, I don't know why I have this fact, but it's going to make Tiffany uncomfortable. Yes. There are 1,300 wet specimens. <laughs> so, think specimens floating in jars of formaldehyde. Ew. <laughs> this includes everything from what's naturally found in the human body to those that aren't, such as cysts or tumors. Cool. Um... So some of the more popular collections. I've always wanted to see a brain that has the full brain stem. I think they have that. They probably always have that. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Okay. First, they have John Wilkes Booth's vertebra. Oh. 
and I tried to confirm which vertebra it was. I, I couldn't. It looks like it's around the middle. So around the C3 area. <laughs> it's a middle bone. Middle vertebra. I'm excited. That's cool. And I wasn't able to confirm if it's currently on display, but they have it. Um, they also have the tallest skeleton on display in North Carolina. North Carolina. That's not true. <laughs> they have the tallest skeleton on display in North America that stands at seven foot six inches. Wow. wow. Right. Oh, man. That's tall. Yeah. That's why it's in a museum. <laughs> That's a Holy cannolis. very intelligent statement. <laughs> do they have it beside the smallest? They should do that. They should. They I, didn't, should. I didn't check into that. See, well. you should be in charge of organizing their exhibit. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, she needs to, that would be the penis museum. I was about to say, like, I'd put all the penises Iceland together. Or something, wherever it is. Amsterdam. Okay. No. It's yeah. in like Iceland or it's where... Wine and, wine and shoes took pictures there. Oh, so it'd be Amsterdam. Yeah. It's for Jordan Rom still. Stop Googling things. No, I want to look okay. up the penis museum right after syphilis knows. So while, <laughs> so while the museum is home to many full skeletons, the fully articulated skeleton of Harry Raymond Eastlack is also there. Who is he? He suffered from FOP or medically known fibrodysplasia ossificans progressiva. Yeah. Something happened to his bones. Yes, exactly. This is an extremely rare connective tissue disease. It is severe, it is debilitating, and has no known cure. And it is the only medical condition where one organ system changes into another. What? This condition is caused by a mutation in the body's repair mechanism, causing fibrous tissue, so like muscles, tendons, ligaments, the soft, squishy stuff, to become (laughs) ossified, either spontaneously or when damaged. This ossification is bone formation. What? So he was turning into like a giant bone. Yep. Oh my. Okay. First of all, that could be a great joke. Second of all, oh my God, yes. No, I mean, no, no. No, that's fascinating. That's really cool. And if you look up the skeleton, like I didn't think it was gross, but I have. You told me to stop Googling things. I meant afterwards. (laughs) Okay. Afterwards. It looks, it's really cool. I'm excited. The penis museums in Iceland, the one I was thinking about at least. Either way, at the end of his lifetime, he donated his skeleton to the museum to assist in further understanding his medical condition. Oh. Because no one knew why this was happening. And it kind of sucked. I want to know how many people are affected by that. They also have the jaw tumor of President Grover Cleveland, Hmm. which is its own story because he had a jaw tumor and then had to have it removed, but they kept it a secret so the U.S. wouldn't know their president was undergoing surgery and it's... It was a whole thing. Your president's human. Right? They also have pieces of Einstein's brain. What? The Muter Museum is one of two places in the world where you can see slides or pieces of Einstein's brain. Cool. Yes. The brains are cut into slices and are held in glass slides. Each section of brain is about 20 microns thick or 0.00005 inches thick. Which, for reference, a human hair is about 0.003 inches thick. Carry on. So super thin as... One um, hair, Ashley. Okay. These brain sections are stained with crestal violet, which is an oxazine... Just like my hair. (laughs) (laughs) It is an oxazine dye used as a biological stain, especially in histology. 
That's really cool. When the great physicist died, Thomas Harvey, who was a doctor, removed and autopsied Einstein's brain without the family's permission. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. He eventually got permission. Oh, that's good. Right? <laughs> now that it's glad, out. Glad we figured that one out, guys. <laughs> good job. He eventually got permission, and with it, had the stipulation that the brain only be used for scientific research. Good. How good. do you slice it that thin? A very, very sharp meat slicer. Like at the deli? Yeah. Nope. Oh, I have <laughs> I have thought this through. I know how I'm getting rid of a body if I ever have to kill someone. Publix, watch out. I feel like we need a lawyer now. <laughs> anyway, fun fact. He kept the brain of one of the world's greatest minds in a glass jar. Sometimes in a cider box. Sometimes it was under a beer cooler. In a cider box <laughs> or under a beer cooler? Either one, whichever was available. What was it preserved? Oh, you already told us the violet stuff. Well, no, 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 no. That's what it's stained the, Before with. it was cut and stained, it was held in a glass jar, either in a box or a beer cooler. Oh. That. Fun fact, huh? Well, poor Einstein, that's right? That's just, that's too good of a brain to do that to. Right? Well, it wasn't doing any good once he died. Okay. You can't connect it to somebody else. Back to the cutting of the brain. Harvey dissected the brain into 240 blocks what that means i don't know and it made 1000 microscopic slides of brain tissue and he sent pieces of the brain to researchers all over the world all right and a few notable things were discovered about albert einstein <gasps> yay do tell his brain weighed less than the average adult male he was dehydrated okay the average weight is three pounds einstein's weighed 2.7 so it was like 10 percent less oh the inferior parietal region of his brain is 15% larger than average. I don't know where that is. I'm assuming it's in the back. And finally, Einstein's brain lacks the, the generative changes that would have been expected to be seen in other 76-year-olds. Oh, he had a super brain. Yeah. Look at him go. Interesting. So Einstein. Mine's probably where the average 76-year-old is. And I'm 30. Well, One. you're pretty. Einstein, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. And this carries us to our next exhibit. I feel like we're like walking. Well, it, it sort of. Because this exhibit is actually at one of the very first ones you see. Oh, the one okay. I'm about to cover. And so it's we're actually, on a guided tour. And it's actually one of the known fainting spots. Yes. Oh, you said there were four? There's three. Three. And this is in New Orleans, right? This is in Philadelphia. Damn it. We can't go there. So full disclosure, I listened to Sawbones episode on this. Excellent episode. Highly recommend. Dr. Sydney McElroy is much more eloquent than I am. All the McElroys are much more eloquent than most people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Soap Lady. She's one of the known fainting spots. Oh, Soap Lady? I know Soap Lady. Okay, sorry. Continue. I literally just said that a couple seconds ago. You did not have that reaction. I didn't hear you say Soap soap Lady. lady. I missed Soap Lady, too. Yeah. Oh, must not have said it. Anyway, Soap Lady. (laughs) Soap Lady. One of us. (laughs) She was a woman whose body was exhumed in 1875 from a grave in Philadelphia. A fatty substance called adiposir encased her remains. Stop it. I'm about to get there. I know what you're thinking of, Ashley. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know what uh-huh. you're thinking of. About to make a Doctor Who reference. <laughs> Everyone, hold on to your seats. Calm down. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. 
So adipocere is a grayish waxy substance formed by the decomposition of soft tissue and dead bodies subjected to moisture. Whereas adipose is just the storage of fat. <laughs> adipocere is something completely different. Okay. okay. You're welcome. <laughs> Where's the Doctor Who reference? <laughs> she Adipose. Adipose. Fat. Yeah. That one is the fat. The adipocere is not. That wasn't Doctor Who. The cute, for me. squishy. That was like little guys. When I knew I was obsessed with that show. Uh, they don't have that. I was like, oh my God, that's so cute. Anyway, while the formation of adipocere is not common, the alkaline, warm, and airless environment that she was buried in could have caused this unique formation of adipocere on the body. It is formed from the fatty tissues in the body, and it is essentially soap. I did not know the soap lady. I was thinking somebody Essentially, else. Essentially, the body because of this chemical process, uh-huh. the body comes filled with soap, and it preserves the body. Like oh, what glycerin? Like um... it's like the soap that you make from like animal fat. Uh, oh, ew! I, do you know what I was thinking of the entire time I was reading about the soap lady? What? The cholesterol ran right down my <laughs> arm. <laughs> A what? <laughs> a, a piece of soap. <laughs> That's so weird. Isn't so it? what is on, like, is it just her body preserved and you can like yeah. see the soapy? Yeah. Like you can Google it. It looks like a mummy and it looks kind of waxy. Don't Google it right now. Why? Because. Don't tell me to Google things and then tell me not to Google it things. It makes for non-continuous. Here's Carry the, on. Wait. I cannot react. Yeah. No, you can't. Um, We are going to have a Google off after this and we'll just google everything we'll just google everything okay about the woman based on her teeth it was originally assumed that she died either during her middle age or older while originally believed that she died during the yellow fever epidemic of the 1790s x-rays taken in 17 or i'm sorry in 1879 showed buttons and pins in her clothing that were not manufactured until the 1830s hmm while minimal is known about the soap lady, a set of digital and print x-rays performed in 2007, led by a team from the Quinnipiac University, decreased the soap lady's age from 20 or above down to her 20s. Oh, mm-hmm. she was young. Because of her condition, basically how well preserved she is, they can use her to help perform validations on medical equipment. I don't want this to Especially sound- new like imaging technology. So they use her body? Yeah, they use her body. So think of like x-ray, CR, portable MRI. They would use her body to test out the new equipment. Interesting. Yeah. Isn't it cool? That's really interesting. That is really, really cool. I'm just, I'm thinking like, what if something malfunctions and they mess up the soap lady? Well, what? Are are you thinking about melting her? No. It's like something breaks or... I'm certain they run trials first. Okay. I'm I certain she's not the lady. first validation. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> they don't just immediately Smart. jump to Soap Lady. Yeah. I have a question. I don't want this to sound rude, but based on what you said and how she became the Soap Lady, was she like obese? It actually didn't say. Because like if it went off the she was fatty mama- deposits and everything that turned. Yeah. They just talked about the how the environment she was buried in was conducive to preserving her in this way it actually didn't go into whether or not she was overweight or not and you can't really tell that from them well i didn't know if they could tell if it was like fat deposits that had created like what made the soap from her body hmm where was she found philadelphia Philadelphia. 
Yep. Sorry. Didn't mean to go. That just popped in my head. I didn't know if you knew because you know lots of things that I don't. <laughs> anyway, that is the soap lady. All right. The next stop on Rebecca's imaginal tour of Dr. Muter's museum is Dr. Joseph Hurdle's human skull collection. Yay. This is also another popular fainting spot because it is literally a wall of skulls. People like if you're going to this museum of I don't want to say death because I don't I know that's not what it is. But like medical specimens and stuff, you would think that you would have pretty good understanding of what you're going to see. And if a skull makes you faint, there's a lot of them on a wall staring at you. Okay. I would be creeped out by it. I, mean, I could see it being a little unnerving, but I, making you faint, that seems a bit traumatic. Yeah, I could see that. Anyway, this collection <laughs> was added to the museum, museum in 1874. Joseph Hurdle, who lived from 1810 to 1894, started this collection as an attempt to counter the claims against phrenologists. And do you guys know what phrenology is? No, I was just so, about to ask. <laughs> phrenology is a study of the conformation of the skull based on the belief that it is indicative of mental abilities and character from intelligence to creativity to unfortunately the difference between races so basically they would look at the skull they'd feel your skull and go oh you have a bump here or oh you have a divot here this means you are super super smart this bump here means you're clumsy stuff like that they think the way your skull was shaped it indicated how smart you were what you were weren't able to do Oh, I mean, it kind of could go off of like brain shape to an extent because your skull would form around your brain. Yeah, but it's 100% not true. It's not a thing. But I could see how they would think that then. They thought a lot of weird things then. Lots of people have thought a lot of weird things throughout history. Either way, 139 skulls are now in the possession of the Muter Museum. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) And now you see why it's a fainting spot. That's a lot. All on one wall? It is it's probably like a room. Probably. And I couldn't get confirmation if this was the entire collection or just part of it. But there are 139 there. Oh, Jesus. Um, something that I found really cool. So each skull is mounted on a stand that were built by hand. And many skulls are inscribed with the comments about the person's age, death of origin, and the cause of death. Cool. That's really cool. One story I heard is one skull came from a tightrope walker who fell off and broke his neck. Huh. Wow. I, I hope they and started now, using nets after that. I want to go <laughs> so bad. It's so cool. Like, why wouldn't you want to go and look at a wall of skulls and see how they died? So, I, I do, but man, I may be one of those. We're going to bring Tiffany a wheelchair just in case. So she can just be like, So the museum is working to clean, repair, and remount each of the skulls to preserve each of them for future generations of learners. Mm-hmm. Like us. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Each skull is uniquely mounted, not just because of the variation from skull to skull, but because the shifting of the building and foot traffic would cause harm to the specimens. So each of the, they have someone dedicated to building stands for each of these skulls to protect them and hold them correctly. Based on where they are and their how shape. Move. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Isn't that so that cool? That is really cool. And you would probably get to see like all aspects of the skulls too, if they're all mounted differently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cool. <laughs> I love how Tiffany goes from like, ah, uh, ah. <laughs> Welcome to the past 30 years of my life. <laughs> and now we move on to the plaster cast of conjoined twins, Chang and Eng. 
why why'd you point to me when you I said don't know. I just like I went this way and then I went that like, way. Am I supposed to know I'm not a museum director. Give me I was just <laughs> curious if I was supposed to do a song and dance, if there's a ditty I was supposed to know. We're Jang and Hang and we are connected at the liver. Liver and we can't drink because we only have one liver. Well they actually did tests on that to see if, if one of them drank, if the other one would get drunk. And I can find out if they were. <laughs> were they were they ever part of Barnum and Bailey's circus? Because I know he. They had might one. have been because uh, during their early per- portion of their lives, they did a bunch of exhibition tours. Okay, because I know that Barnum and Bailey had a set of conjoined twins who were connected at the liver. So. Hmm, maybe they didn't specifically say that when I was researching them. But cool. Anyway, Chang and Ang were born in Siam, which is currently Thailand, in 1811, and obviously. They're Siamese twins. After they spent a portion of their lives on exhibition tours, they settled in Mount Airy, North Carolina. Fun fact, they married the Yates sisters. Who are the Yates sisters? Their wives. That were sisters? Conjoined twins. What? Married sisters. Oh, wait. Oh. I thought you were going to say conjoined twins married conjoined twins. No. I mean, sisters is still kind of weird. But and yes. between the two of them, they had 21 children. So not only are they conjoined twins who married sisters, they had 21 children. So imagine the logistics of that. I just like I'm picturing the. do you wear like headphones and a blindfold when your brother is doing the but you're connected with his wife? to him at the liver? Well, it's, it's like it's like at your chest. Yeah. They're connected at, like their chest somewhere in the chestal area. But they have I'm I'm picturing separate genitalia. Yeah, yeah, they do. So you're like you're wearing a blindfold and earmuffs while your brother's just like <laughs> Or you're just all getting it on at the same time. No. Free love. They weren't. Because even though they married siblings, they kept separate households, spending alternating weeks at different farms. Oh okay. You know what? To each their own. Isn't it nuts? <laughs> Ashley's face. You good? Just think about it like your husband has to travel for work and he's not home for a week. I mean, I get the thought process behind it, but like if I had 10, 11 kids with that son bitch, your ass is going to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if your brother needs to get something taken care of. No, no. I married left twin. You're going to be at this house. Right twin? Sorry. I couldn't remember their names. Anyway, the twins died on January 17th, 1874. Um, Chang died first, presumably of a cerebral clot. After receiving permission from the families, the twins were transported to the College of Physicians of Philadelphia, where an autopsy was performed at the Muter Museum. The goal of the autopsy was to determine if the twins could have been separated during their lifetime. And while the twins had their own set of organs, they were joined by the liver, meaning that at that time, surgery would have more than likely killed both of them. So now they are casted and on display at the museum. I want to go see them. Also, how long was Yang alive while Chang yeah, was right. dead? They didn't answer that. And I was like, well, it couldn't have been all that long. No. Like, if... Because if they shared any type of blood supply or anything, yeah, then... Yeah, exactly. Oh, poor Yang. And then one of the last detailed stops on my tour is the giant megacolon. The giant megacolon? Giant megacolon. Oh my God. I I knew we'd circle back to poop. Let's do this. (laughs) Guess what? What? It's another popular fainting spot. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, I'm really fascinated to go and see how Rebecca does, which I think you'll be fine. But like, I'll be fine. And then we'll get to the squishy stuff. and I'll be like, oh, no. <laughs> I don't like the squishy stuff. I don't stuff. like the squishy stuff. The hard stuff's fine. It's the squishy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the original owner of the giant mega colon. This is a real thing. Like the person who had the giant mega colon yes. inside of their body. Yes. Is oh. this like the original owner of the foot? <laughs> right. I said this ends so much worse. Oh, oh um, no. The original owner had Hirschsprung disease, which happens when you don't have proper nerves to parts of your colon. This prevents things from being pushed along. Oh, oh no. Mm-hmm. This causes stool to sit and become stationary, causing the colon to slowly grow larger. Your face is right now. <laughs> Ew. I'm fascinated. I thought being constipated while I was pregnant was bad. This causes your belly to extend and causes constipation. Maybe that's why the bellies get so big. There's a baby <laughs> in a gigantic colon when you're pregnant because pooping is difficult. <laughs> Stay tuned for our Mother's Day episode. It's going to be great. Coming back to the giant megacolon of the non-pregnant person, the donor was born with this condition, and by the time he was a teenager, he was having one bowel movement a month on average. He succumbed to the disease at 29, and his colon became a part of the museum. How big is it? It had 40 pounds of feces. Jesus. And at the largest part, it was 30 inches in diameter. What? (gasps) Oh, my God. God, he so, had to look like he was pregnant. Oh, we did. The colon is now stuffed and on display in the museum and is no longer full of poop. Is it stuffed with brown stuffing? I don't it know. It should be. Also, did they take a picture of all the poop afterwards? Because you know how you take a big one and you're like, man, I should send this to <laughs> Ashley. I is think that, she'd is appreciate that why y'all it. Snapchat each other? Please don't add me to those. We haven't yet. So he knew that he had this disease, right? I mean, he stopped pooping regularly yeah but did they did he know why like did he know what was going on before he passed i have no idea because i would think like there's certain things you can do to make yourself do to and do you think they would be able to help help the dude out a little bit <laughs> no, ashley's like i need to take a really good poop yeah <laughs> everyone's colons are very uncomfortable right now my colon needs to be flushed my- maybe that's my excuse i'm not fat i just have an oversized colon don't judge you me. have an underactive colon <laughs> I'm underactive. Yeah. (laughs) In more ways than one. My metabolism, my colon, me, my brain. Now we are going to go to some quick fire facts that I found that were fun. I'm excited, but I'm going to miss the poop. You can adopt a skull. Yes. Nope. Okay. Okay, while each of the skulls have their own fascinating backstory, for $200, you can pay for the cleaning, restoration, and remounting of a skull, and then have a small plaque with your name on it placed next to it. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Ladies of Strange is going to be buying a skull if we ever go to this museum. Uh, okay. Is this, <laughs> is this like cool? is this like adopting a wild creature for through the World Wildlife Federation? Do they send you pictures of... Like the sloth we adopted? Yeah. I hope so. Because if I pay for the cleaning of the skull, I want a picture framed and on my wall. Hey, guys. Just wanted to check in. I'm still a skull. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They turned me slightly to the left this time. It's a nice new view. So Ashley will like this. I have this bullet point called Slices of Human Faces. So curator Anna Godey. Uh, G-H-O-D-Y created a series documenting some of the collections housed in the museum that you can see on YouTube. 
it is called collections slices of human faces i will put a link all right you will text me a link because this doesn't go up quick enough and i need to watch this tomorrow Point three, they have rib bones from a person with rickets. I didn't dive into the research as to why that's particularly important. Okay. They have a jar of pickled human skin. Ew. Apparently, it smells faintly of Romano cheese. (laughs) Pickled skin smells of Romano cheese. Huh. See, I knew Tiffany would do this. Ooh. This is my second favorite fact. (laughs) Poop is number one, but this is great. Poop and cheese. So now we get to fact number five. Hippopotamus fat from the Zulus in South Africa. So the Zulus in South Africa would use the fat of the hippo to cure stomach aches. Huh. Did they eat it? They did not specify how they took huh. this. Remedy? Hippos are, they can be aggressive. Yeah, I would be aggressive too if somebody was chasing after me for my fat because they had a tummy ache. I'm like, no. <laughs> and now we're going to move on to Tiffany's favorite point. Um, aphrodisiac made from an elephant's tusk. Oh, oh, poor elephant. <laughs> this is why we need a camera in studio, because your face is... <laughs> the Zulus also contributed human aphrodisiacs to the Muni Museum. Over a century ago, the Zulus collected a powdery substance called daga or daga. I'm, I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce that, so I'm just apologizing now. From the inside of an elephant tusk and after the elephant had just been killed, they believed that by secretly pouring the powder into a woman's food or drink, they would make the woman fall deeply in love with them. I don't <sighs> like the Zulus. Leave the animals alone and no means no. The Muter Museum also has a World War One hand therapy device, which is exactly what it sounds. Physical therapy thing. Cool. Um, they also have bed bugs extracted from patients' ears. Ew. And underneath Ew. that, I have in like all, p- all <laughs> next to that fact, I have in all caps, self-explanatory. <laughs> Ashley had to take off her headphones and now she's rubbing her ears. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you, you good, Ashley? No. <laughs> that is like top two. <laughs> oh no okay they have sections of small intestine for display mm-hmm. a specific section uh was collected and placed in a jar for display when in 1849 an outbreak of cholera in philadelphia killed 1012 people <gasps> oh you're wow. still itching your ears yeah i can't put my headphones back on i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay it's okay they also have human feet um, Me too. Uh, <laughs> okay. Do they have um? So a jar of feet amputated from a patient suffering from diabetes. Okay. Oh, that w- this I, was that's due. This was due to the patient not adequately maintaining the disease, causing necrosis or death of tissue. I've I've heard about that. Yeah. And finally, they have books bound in human skin but they like have a the book from hocus pocus they have five books total three of which came from the same person oh my god how old are they i don't know is it from a serial killer no is it ed Gein? no <laughs> okay so one story is in the 1880s a physician <laughs> took skin from a woman's thigh the woman had trichinella which is a parasite you can uh I should not type on my phone notes because I have a parasite you can soften from bow. <laughs> you can soften from bow. 
Basically, it's a parasite you can get from eating pork. Oh, Ew. yeah. I've heard of that. Wait, is that still a thing? After the woman died, he took the skin from her thigh and he cured it by placing it in a chamber pot in the hospital. And one of the theories as to how he cured it was using ammonia from pee. I was just about to say a chamber pot is what they used to pee in. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he used it to bind three books. Okay. That's a lot. Did Guess he take what? her entire thigh skin? And not, he didn't. Meat? They didn't say what size of the books, but he dedicated the books to her. Well, that was kind. Well, yeah, bitch, that's my thigh. <laughs> <laughs> that was. Kind. I'm trying. Like, I got some thighs, but. I don't, they don't have I to be big books. Book. They can be pamphlets. I like big books. And, and I, I cannot, cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to use the meat from a thigh. <laughs> Question. <laughs> can you still, like, is that pork thing still a thing? Yeah, it's still a thing. Trichinella is still a thing. If yes. you don't properly poke, poke. If you don't poke pro- properly mother <laughs> cook your shit, don't get shit. <laughs> 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 cook your shit don't get shit that's uh, yeah yeah you can i'm uncomfortable and that is the muter museum I, oh, my uh, ears are not happy <laughs> i am fascinated i want to go i, I go yeah, too i do too i have no excuse to go to philly though watch i'll probably like walk in go to the steps and i'm gonna be like i'm good <laughs> i just oh there's so much stuff we've got to google now Mm-hmm. Right, we have a Google party sesh immediately Google after this. Party. Yes, Google party, and we're gonna. Yeah, I need to know how big those books are. I am never eating pork again. Nice. I'm not a huge pork fan. You eat sausage. Oh, I forgot about sausage. <laughs> oh, you said to make sure it's cooked properly, and it's. I mean, with the way that our meat's over processed and preserved and everything, you don't have to worry about it. Not mm. as much as you have to worry about bed bugs getting in your ears. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to come home with like cotton balls soaked in alcohol no, on your ears and Hagrid's going to be so like, so Tiffany's house does? No, but like staying in hotels or. So sleeping cap. I was always that person that like when I found out, like, you know, they used to say like the average person eats like eight spiders a night. I wouldn't like when I first found out, I don't think I slept for three days and I would lay in my bed with my hands over my nose and my mouth and plug No, my one ears. of my worst nightmares is getting any sort of parasite but yeah sorry you just made my ears itchy (laughs) well i really like skulls soap people cutting thighs book that whatever but bed bug ears Uh -uh. pickled skin Eh. pickled Eh. skin was pretty cool the bone guy who turned into all of his organs turned into bones bones. yeah the condition i can pronounce once and only once that all sounds fascinating to me and I want to know how big those books are. We will find out. All right. But well, we're going to go have a Google party and find out how big books are. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, friends. Oh, my God. Everyone has something that they find odd. Let us tell you why it's not. If you have any questionable topics you'd like us to discuss, you can share them with us on any of our social medias. Links can be found on our website, theladiesofstrange.com. Or you can email them to us at theladiesofstrange at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you think we're doing a great job and want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. Keep it strange, lovelies. So when we're in a hotel, I'm putting a fake arm in your bed and dusting yours. 
fucking come near my bed with any type of creature that could get into an orifice, you're dead. I just mentioned how I would get rid of a body and I can find a beat slicer. Bye, guys. (laughs) 